before we do anything else, I guess, tell us a little bit about Move This World and what you do in regard to social emotional learning. Move This World strengthens the mental, emotional, and social well-being of pre-K through 12th grade students, teachers, and families by building a daily practice of identifying, expressing, and managing emotions. We've worked with over a million students over the past 13 years, covering 35 states, and support students and the adults in their lives to navigate challenges to solve problems, to set and achieve goals, to work together, to navigate stressors and difficult feelings, recognizing that if we don't have a toolkit to navigate those stressors, to work through big emotions, to set and achieve our goals, we won't be able to succeed in school, at home, at work, or in life. So the way that this work is delivered is uh, the best analogy is really uh, eight-minute abs, but for social-emotional learning. So the same way you might follow along with a workout video, and you're not an expert yogi, but you can follow along. Teachers and uh, parents who are not mental health professionals who may not feel comfortable facilitating a conversation around social-emotional learning have a contained and structured time to be able to take the emotional temperature of their students, to allow students to unpack their emotional backpacks so that they don't get heavier and heavier and then implode. Name what it is that we're carrying and then move through that so effective teaching and learning can occur. Then there's another opportunity for us to also center ourselves and ground ourselves before we move into whatever awaits us beyond the walls of the school building or beyond whatever activity or exercise we're engaging in at home. So Move This World provides a foundational tier one support for all students so that we all have access to evidence-based curricula that scope and sequence that supports our personal and community development in achieving social emotional learning goals. Okay, great. So something I actually say to my students a lot, um, and I I teach high school English, so I'm mostly, you know, 11th grade. And at that point, um, a lot of AP classes. So the kids have a lot of pressure and there's a lot going on anyway. And I try to remind them, especially when a student's absent and they're worried about making up work or, you know, doing all these things. I say, your education is really, really important, but your education is useless without your health. So, you know, last year I had a student who was in the hospital for almost a month. And I'm getting emails like every two or three days from the students saying like, what do I need to be doing? I'm like, look, I'm sending you the most important stuff. And they're like, but what about the rest of it? And I was like, how about we get you out of the hospital before we worry Mm -hmm. about it? Because Mm -hmm. the vocab quiz matters very little. And it it sounds like kind of what you're talking about here is expanding that beyond, you know, just the physical health to include emotional well-being as well. How much of this should, not, not saying, you know, always is, but in an ideal setting, how much of this is kind of front-loaded early on in a student's education versus later? Like, I'm, I'm hearing you, and I have young children, so mm-hmm. some of the things that I know about social-emotional learning, I always probably, you know, probably inappropriately, but I link back to certain episodes of Sesame Street where they're very careful mm-hmm. about helping the kids process it. Mm-hmm. And I always think that, like, if a student learns some of these techniques early, not that we don't need to be mindful of it later, but it may, maybe doesn't require as much direct instruction or support later on because it becomes a regular life practice. Though you said you provide curriculum and activities for K through 12. Is what I just said fair? Like if we do enough of this early on, does it become less essential as a part of direct instruction later? Or do you see this as something that should always be happening? 
So first I will say that we've never arrived when it comes to our own personal, social, and emotional development, that this is a work in progress. We're never done. We never check the box. Now we are certified emotionally intelligent, and we never have to think about this work ever again. But rather, much like you would exercise every day and eat your vegetables as a way to be physically healthy, practicing social emotional wellness, practicing these skills, it's important that these are habits that are built into our overall wellness regimen. Just like you brush your teeth and you take care of your body, we are taking care of our minds and our hearts. Empathy is a muscle that you have to flex. And so even though for me personally, this has been my life's work for 13 years. I read about it. I write about it. I speak about it. I study it. I practice it um, with my small children and my husband. I will still make mistakes and I will you know, get flustered and get frustrated. And my husband will say to me, didn't you author a social emotional learning uh, curriculum? And he will call me out and I will thank him for the reminder because we're never done. This really is a work in, we are all works in progress. Right, right. Now, hold on, um, just, just real quick. When, when your husband reminds you in those moments <laughs> and you thank him, are you, just out of curiosity, are you thanking him through like gritted teeth? <laughs> or, no, yeah, Is this no, like when I, someone says, calm down and you're upset and that's just, <laughs> all you want to do is punch them or like... <laughs> No, I really, I do appreciate the way he holds me accountable for my practice. And, you know, I have a, my own personal wellness practices and one of them is an evening meditation. And the other is, um, it's called the morning pages and it's from a practice, the artist way by Julia Cameron. And every morning it's three pages of free write excavating all of the ideas stressors, distractions in my brain. If I want to write about the fact that my toddler is irritating me, I can write that and no one's going to read it or judge it. If I could, I can write that the sky is blue. I could write that I'm hungry. I could write about anything or I could write about new ideas for our product and the strategic direction of our organization or personal goals and dreams that I have. So it really depends on how I'm feeling in that moment. But that, I, I say that because my husband will say, he will call me out and say, I think you need to go do your morning pages if it, you know, if it hasn't happened for a day or two and I've fallen off. So I do appreciate being held accountable to my own personal wellness practices. It's, yeah, it's good. And I mean, it, as you pointed out, it, it, maybe this is something we need to always be doing. You know, you're, you're never finished growing as a person. You know, you never hit a point where you can check the box and say, I'm balanced or I'm sane or I'm fine and act like that it's a done deal. You know, it, it's always ongoing. Um, for my son, he just turned four and we do, you know, <laughs> I taught him two deep breaths. Anytime he gets too excited or too angry, he just stops and does it on his own. Now, you don't have to remind me, he stops and he takes That's two great. deep breaths. And he, But when he sees me getting frustrated, because I also have a one and a half year old, you know, and mm -hmm. so he's, he'll mm -hmm. remind me like, dad, two deep breaths. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. And I can't yell at you <laughs> if I make you do that, you know? And so in a way, like having, having those little things that you do or having someone remind you is, is maybe a good thing. How much of this... How, how much of this is meant to build with family life? Because when you think about it, a lot of a student's or, or any person's personality and, and your emotional makeup comes from your, your parents, comes from your family, comes from the rest of this. And so to a certain extent, if we're teaching certain practices or ideas in school that maybe aren't reinforced at home or homes doing it differently, it can make it a little bit harder maybe in both settings. So mm -hmm. as you're thinking about providing this sort of regular instruction and reminder to students K through 12, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you do for parents? Like, is, is there mm-hmm. an informational packet? Are there practices for parents to support it? Because if the kid's doing eight minutes a day, that's great at school. But if they go home and home life is stressful, if they don't bring it home or if no one at home reinforces it, doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just maybe means it takes a lot longer to really see any positive impact. Do you guys do anything for family support? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I love the example you provide of your son saying to you, take a deep or take two deep breaths. Because some of my, my favorite stories of ways that I have heard students hold their, not just their teachers, but their parents accountable for this work is very similar in our Move This World partner communities. So for example, um, we have heard shared with us a middle school student in Metro Nashville, Tennessee, who suggested to her mother, who was very stressed, that she um, drink a glass of water. And those are drinking a glass of water is one of the 10 emojis. They're the 10 emotion managers that we introduce at the beginning of the school year to students. And they look different at the elementary and middle school level. And high school has their own common language that's introduced to help hold um, themselves and one another accountable. But she said to her mom, mom, this is a strategy you need to use to calm down. So we think that's really important that students can help us as adults, educators, parents, and being better versions of ourselves also. So for the uh, 2021 school year, all of our schools will have access to a parent and family course where parents at home can access the content, the curriculum in the same scope and sequence format that is developmentally aligned pre-K through 12th grade that their child and their child's teacher will see. So that if schools don't open to in-person instruction and have either a hybrid model or a fully remote model and there is no synchronous teaching happening, that parents can access the content themselves for their child. So the common language that's introduced around how we manage our emotions and how we express ourselves and how we hold one another accountable can be reinforced at home. We also offer communication to the home in English and in Spanish to introduce what social emotional learning is, why it's important, how this can be practiced at home, because you're absolutely right. If we don't have the tools to navigate those stressors, challenges, trauma at school and at home, then we can't connect all of the pieces of ourselves. So with all of this, I mean, this is, this is great. And I think for, for me personally, and, and, you know, I, I say this a lot in the podcast. I think it's important that we speak for ourselves because as soon as you try to represent too large a group, you always say something wrong. But I think for me, this is something that I think a lot about and I care a lot about, but I don't necessarily make, I don't make intentional moves toward it in the classroom. Like, I, you know, I teach English, so there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of um, comments back and forth. And so like, I feel like I'm probably doing a lot of the things but it isn't necessarily like a set practice. There isn't, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's the right word, but there isn't maybe as much of a ritual to it, though mm-hmm. it's a big part of the, of the concern. And mm-hmm. so as you're thinking about how to support students in their personal growth or their own emotional growth, um, how much of this should be about just sort of mindset, like a philosophy that guides everything you do, Versus how much is the eight minute abs? I mean, you know, obviously mm-hmm. it's all important, but I'm saying like, if you, if you could just grab a school and mm-hmm. make it work to the max, you know, to, to, to whatever the greatest extent is, 
how important is it to have the regular practice and activities in class versus how important is it to just sort of adjust the mindset of people that they're being aware, they're kind of taking the temperature of the people around them consistently, et cetera. Like, is, is it good enough to think about it consistently or, or is that ritual piece sort of the core? Like what, what's more important if you had to pick? So the practice is critical, much like you practice reading or math or dribbling and shooting a basketball. These are skills that require practice. So when I talk about the mistakes that I make or when I get flustered and my husband says, you know, remember, didn't you author this curriculum? It's when I have fallen off my personal practice that that happens. So we talk to students a lot about the science of what's happening in their bodies and the science of stress. And so in our brains, there is a part of our brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala goes off like an alarm inside our bodies whenever we are really stressed or worried or there's something going on that, that we need to defend ourselves. And so what we have to do is train our minds and bodies to not go off like an alarm so that we can calmly move through whatever it is that we're experiencing. And if we don't practice these skills, if we don't expand that toolkit, our emotions can overtake us so that we're not able to um, calmly make decisions, solve problems, work with one another, and we allow our emotions to drive us. So there's been a lot of research that shows that explicit social emotional instruction is critical. And it's not enough that we broadly, you know, care about relationships or care about our students as human beings or as whole, um, their whole selves. We have to build in dedicated, intentional time. We don't need a lot of it, but we do need explicit time to practice these skills in a scope and sequence format and move this world is designed with that in mind. So the curriculum is developmentally appropriate pre-K through 12th grade. Each grade level has its own unique curriculum. It is, um, there is a scope and sequence over the course of the year. So we don't start the year asking students to be their most vulnerable selves and share their most significant challenges and frustrations. We start by um, going inward and paying attention to our breath and where we're carrying weight or stress or tension in our body. So focus more on self-awareness and self-management before we um, move more outward. And that has been developed in partnership with a number of third-party institutions, one being the American Institute for Research that helps ensure that our curriculum is developmentally aligned, is trauma-informed, and maps to the collaborative and academic social-emotional learning competency clusters. Okay. So, yeah, and there are parts of this that I feel like, you know, touch on a lot of different sort of philosophical approaches. And, and I mean, there's a lot of mindfulness involved. You know, personally, I always feel like if I had to pick two things, it'd be like the Stoic philosophers and, and Taoism. In, in terms of forming the practices, how much of that pulls from maybe the older traditions that have given more thought to regular meditation or to the, you know, to mindfulness itself versus how much of this is rooted maybe in modern research and psychology. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it could easily be both. I'm just saying like when mm -hmm. you first get involved in social emotional learning, how much of this came to you 
from the research perspective versus how much of this was something that was informed by your own practice with, with yoga, with meditation, with, uh, with religion, with whatever it may be. What was the starting point for you? 